Napa know-how. When you purchase a set of Napa brake pads and rotors, you get a discount code from Fanatics.com worth up to $50 towards your favorite sports gear. While Napa can't help your team reach the promised land, we can help make sure your car will because these brakes come with something no sports team does. Guaranteed performance. Great brakes, great price, great fan gear. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Offer expires September 30th, 2017. of interplanetary VUC. It's a big VUC and welcome to episode 17 of For VUC's Sake. My name is Dave, a.k.a. Dante Hicks on the forum, and the bloke sitting across from me is Jason, a.k.a. Lord Masso. How's tricks, mate? Good, mate. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd, you know, jazz it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, surprise me. I'll let you, I'll let you take the intro and so I've taken a different kind of um, style to it, which I, I enjoyed. Yeah, oh, thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, look, um, we're really excited about today's show. Um, we've got two guests today, one inside the studio here today with us and one that we'll be catching up studio? with over the... F- that, yeah, if you want to call term. it a studio, yeah. Um, let's start with uh, the man whose voice we just heard, the guest who's here with us in the flesh. He's a man that has been around Australian football circles for a very long time. Uh, welcome to the show, John McGoran, aka Trumper. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a real pleasure to be here. And obviously, I, I've missed the last two episodes of the VUC, but uh, I've really enjoyed the show so far. And I think it's a, a great thing for all VUC supporters out there. I think most people have missed the last few episodes of uh, for VUC. That's sake. a real shame because I, t- I reckon they've been two of our better uh, episodes. I tell you what, if um, I'll give some homework to our listeners this week. Maybe tell a friend about for VUC's sake because our ratings are, are diving a little bit at the moment. They're still good, but they're not as good as what they were at the start. So um, this week, won't you tell a friend about about for fuck's sake, who yeah. might not know about the crew. And look, um, if if you really want to pique their interest, the other guest who we've got for this particular show, and we're excited to bring you, uh, is none other than none other than former Victory striker Danny Allsop. Uh, so we look forward to bringing bringing you that later on in the show. What else have we got, Jace? In in addition to that, we also have uh, the match review. We're going to talk about the Brisbane game on Friday night. Member of the week returns as per usual. We're also going to chat about the ACL squad selection. That's coming up on Sunday. There's some big decisions to be made regarding foreigners and so forth. So we're going to chat about who might be in and who might be getting the chop from that. Um, we're also going to chat a little bit about A-League expansion. And in addition to the Daniel Allsop interview, we'll also speak about the Australia Day match. Excellent. Um, let's talk about the music theme for this week. Yeah, this is something that's uh, your baby once again. So explain to me what shoegaze music is. I've had I've had a few weeks off. So look, shoegaze, the shoegazer scene was probably one of the more unheralded British scenes of the sort of late eighty late eighties early nineties. It's it's pretty much about walls of sound, jangly guitars. Gave rise to a lot of other bands that are you know more mainstream and well known, like Blur and even Smashing Pumpkins. A band like M eighty three also. You know, can cite their musical ancestry in that sort of space. Look, it's best enjoyed very loud. Okay, well, let's get started. This is For Fuck's Sake. The Vuck's Sake is sponsored by Ambrosia Floral Designs. You can find them at Unit 1, Number 15, Assembly Drive in Tullamarine. Make sure to give Leanne a call on 9338-3609 and she'll take care of all your floral needs. We did forget, John, to, uh, to ask you about your journey. How remiss of us to, uh, <laughs> to forget one of the main staples of a Vuck's Sake. Tell us how you came to be a victory supporter or, in general terms, how you became to be a football supporter. 
Well, it's a very long story, so I'll keep it brief. But uh, as you could see by the shirt I'm wearing yes, in the studio, we don't have the camera in the corner of the studio, <laughs> even though I'm trying to wave to it. Uh, I'm wearing my, uh, my Carlton Soccer Club jersey, and that sort of is how I got into it. Obviously, one of my first ever games I went to was, <clears throat> we don't talk about it, but uh, Australia-Iran, <laughs> we don't talk about that. So we'll skip over that. And then uh, I was a... I'm, I still am a Carlton Football Club member, and uh, and then they decided to start a soccer team. And, and they're uh, a stone's throw away from where we're recording in uh, correct, Princess Park. Correct, correct. Yeah. Yes, driving past it brought back many memories. And uh, our mate, I've got on my shirt with Do More, our Amex sponsor. We also had Parmalat as our sponsor. We used to throw mm. milk. from. They used to throw out free milk, chocolate <laughs> milk. And they did it at one game, and uh, the South Melbourne supporters there threw it back at the guy throwing <laughs> it out. But, yeah, that's how I got in. I started um, as a Carlton Football Club member, went to Carlton Soccer Games, then obviously we played. We had Eddie K, Eddie Krenchevich as yes. our coach, and we played a very attacking brand of football, which got me into it. Um, we obviously had our guest later in in the show, uh, Danny Allsop played for Carlton, even Archie, um, and obviously Colosimo, Kennedy, Bresciano. Yeah, quite like, quite a an, we had uh, really illustrious good. list. And um, our goalkeeper. Uh, uh, our custodian at Carlton Soccer Club is now the goalkeeping coach at Melbourne Victory, Mr. Dean Anastasiadis. So, yeah, so I, I just fell in love with football there. And then one day I was sitting down the beach with my uh, with the family and I'm like, this is not where I want to be. I want to be watching the football. And so back in those days, I gave Anset a call to see if I could get a <laughs> flight to Adelaide to watch them. Uh, it was going to cost about $500, so I gave that a miss. But then from then I uh, was a terrible uni student and uh, travelled every week and I think I went at one stage into 60 consecutive matches home and away, including wow. uh, a, our first game at um, against the Kungs, the Auckland Kungs at North yes. Harbour Stadium where we recently played. And, and from there, you know, once football gets in your blood, you're stuck with it. So just like everyone else. Then how I became Melbourne Victory is obviously through... Uh, through Carlton, that's sort of how Melbourne Victory was developed with Mr Tony Ising, as we know. So I was mates with him there and funny thing is I did a... You think this is a little shenanigan you're running here out of your uh, <laughs> thing. Oh, I started a silly community television show on Channel 31 with Tony Ising's brother, Craig Ising. Craig, yes. With Craig, and it was called Sexy Football. <laughs> and uh, well, I think we did about eight episodes on community television. It was an uh, absolute ball of laughs. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, you are obviously a committed football fan, including a committed traveller. I reckon I've seen your mug on TV a few times at away matches, just not confined to Melbourne Victory, but also uh, Socceroos games as well. You've been to a few World Cups. I saw you on TV at Bangladesh away not too long ago either. So you've been all around the world watching football and obviously a pretty committed fan. Yeah, look, I, I, I love to travel and um, prior to uh, going to see Black Caviar race at the Royal Ascot a couple of years ago, I hadn't done a non-football holiday for 15 years. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> my girlfriend. When I've had girlfriends, they uh, they don't really like that. Well, surely you, you must have racked up some good frequent flyer points, though. Uh, uh, I have, I have, and obviously, as you said, I went to Bangladesh recently to see the Socceroos, and I've been to uh, now three World Cups, which I've been privileged to attend to see the Socceroos, who've you know really provided us with a lot of entertainment, and obviously the Melbourne Victory uh, away games are <laughs> something Excellent. to behold, and that's. Uh, I'll just quickly touch on because, as we know, I'm part of the South End crew, and one of the crews in the South End is uh, the mighty M7C. Yes, tell us all about how M7C got up and running. Well, um, the first days of uh, Melbourne victory, uh, when there was a gap between the NSL and the A League, I still mates with a few people, and we were playing social football and stuff, and then. Uh, when the Melbourne Victory announced they were going, they were playing, we thought, yeah, we're going to be on board this. So we decided we'd head across to see Melbourne Victory's first official game, which was which we didn't even have a squad for. We'd only signed like six or seven players at the time, one of them being superstar Ricky Diaco. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we played our first ever game in Adelaide at Adelaide Oceania uh, Club World Championship qualifier. Yeah. And... Um, that was on May 7, so we were the mm. May 7 crew, M7C, and we've just been stuck together and then we latched onto the 
crazy mob called the SDC and we're sort of <laughs> hanger-oners around in the south end. Brothers in arms, really. Indeed. So yeah. we'll get on to the match. When I was walking home on Friday night, um, something sprung to mind. I, I looked at the game and I thought, no, that was such a perfect game. It reminded me of a, a scene in the Shawshank Redemption. Do you remember this scene where Andy Dufresne's um, shuffling through a box of records and it might be in the warden's office or something like that and he, he comes across, I think it's a Mozart record, Mozart record, and he plays it for the whole prison yard to, uh, to listen to and everyone just looks up at the, uh, the speaker and they just think it's the most glorious thing they've ever heard and I thought, you know, given the form that Victory have been in the last few weeks, it was the most glorious thing I've ever seen. So what I'm going to do for this entire segment while we review the game, I'm just going to play that song under us. I'm just going to play it on loop. Okay. Just, to, just to get <laughs> the mood. That is absolutely brilliant. I love that scene. That is one of the a great movie scenes. Yeah, so to get the mood started, in the- to get the mood started, I'm just going to play it now. I still haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. Well, you'll, you'll, see, it, you'll see it after this, but here we go. I'll, I'll start it. I'll see it. I'll start it now. Okay, Dave, what were your thoughts on the match? As I said, I, I think as as close to perfection we've, we've reached this season. It was a very good game. Uh, and, yeah, it seems like the boys are back, perhaps. Yeah, look, there's, there's a lot to be said. Um, we had a situation, you know, where pretty much all those 50-50s, you know, and all the calls that just haven't been going our way recently went our way. And Cabbage mentioned that last week. You know, what we saw in this game, you know, was complete opposite of that. You know, Brisbane employed the same sort of tactic that has seen us struggle to score. Yeah, you, know, you could see every time the ball went out to FBK or Costa, the Brisbane defence sort of closed up shop. You know, two defenders every time. But this time, you know, every cross, every pass, and all of those rubber the green moments in general went our way. It did help that they did. Uh, they were defending poorly, Brisbane, and back passed us to us and Costa yeah. nabbed that one. But it was we have had possession dominance a fair bit recently over the last six weeks without the results. But we, and what's caused us the problems is we don't score early. When we scored straight away on there, it relaxes us, yeah. opens up the opposition, and then we went bang, bang, and it was over. Well, that was the thing. The, the first two came within the first 11 minutes, so uh, it obviously did give the team a chance to relax and know that they weren't you know, pushing for a, for a goal now. They had, it, they had it already in the bag, and they could play a, free, a freer style of football. Uh, it, we had, for the first time in a long time, all three... Uh, strikers play really well, all, all three forwards. Yeah, and everyone who we lambasted last week <laughs> lifted a notch. Vukovic got himself a clean sheet. Manane was solid. Finkler, much better. FBK and Bazanich had good games. And look, Costa's form is incredible right now. It will be hard to omit him from the ACL, which we'll talk about later. But uh, yeah, it's but tremendous. But obviously one of the major talking points out of the game is the the debut of the young... Uh, Stefan Negro. Stefan Negro was um, one of the most impressive debuts I've seen in Victory Colours for a long time. We identified him about 14 episodes ago as a potential cult hero. That's right. And true to form, he's already reached that level within his oh. first, ga- ma- first match. How about that for a, for a debut? I mean, Thomas Broich is arguably the best import this league has seen over a consistent period of time. Uh, and young Negro didn't just sort of nullify Broich's impact on the game, but he actually made him look silly a few times. Yeah, well, that nutmeg that we've all watched about 15 yeah. times on replay on Facebook is, uh, is a great move, and it set up the goal. So he mm. nutmegged him, passed it in the middle, and then we chipped in for Costa's second goal. And that little back flick over the head pass as well on, to, to meet Broich once again. So he's, he's mugged him off twice. Um, one of the best players in the league, in, in the league's history, he's mugged him off twice and set up two goals in the first 11 minutes, which is unreal. So uh, it's going to be hard to omit him again. Well, from will a, he keep his spot? Georgievsky comes back. This is a, you know, a big question. Manane. Obviously, he was taken off uh, in the 58th minute or something yeah. like that because obviously as... Um, Kev said he was starting to get a little bit tired because he's new. But what I think it really showed is, and by, you know, I watched the Oli Roos the last two games, we have a lot of great youth players in the squad and we're developing them. And when we finally get this long-promised academy, you know, it's great for us to continue to develop these young players. Yes, it's hurting us when we're missing five players at the moment, but 
you know, Stefan Negro stepped up. We've got Murnane. We've got all these young guys playing and Mahazi and all those. It's, it's really good. It is. For me, the critical takeaway from this game more generally is the question about whether or not this is just another false dawn. You know, we had that win against Newcastle and then, you know, we fell away against Central Coast. Um, we've been extremely inconsistent over the past sort of 10 weeks. And, and even though we've had the odd win here and there, it hasn't been backed up. This is now the big step. I was pretty buoyed by the by the performance. I feel like, you know, that might not just be an aberration. We played the best the best team in the league, oh, close to. Yeah. Um, well, they're, they're, they're leading the Air League, aren't they? So they're the best team in the competition by far at the moment. And um, we, we dominated them. So I, I'm pretty buoyed by that, by that performance. And I feel like... Given the the next match, we can you know press on because um, we've got a very big you know few games ahead of us. We've, and our draw opens up for us with a lot of home games on the run, on the Indeed. run in. We've played, the, we've got the most home games to come. So if we can string it together, and obviously having Nick Ansell back at the back is just you know alongside Del Pair just makes things so much easier for us. Yeah, he he's not too far off a start either from from now on. I'd say. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm really rapt to see all this positivity, Jace. You're normally very cynical. Um, <laughs> look, you consider obviously the five players that are away on Oli Roos duty, but also Carl Valeri, Georgievsky was suspended to pull out a performance like that with, obviously the, the you know the front front third or you know in the midfield was close to full strength, but the back four barring Del Pierre was entirely makeshift. So that's really pleasing. Yeah, and you, you, you'd see that starting lineup before the match. You, I was a little bit pensive about that starting lineup, especially you know, throwing a youngster into the mix against the best team in the mm. league. Um, obviously, they've stepped up. But, uh, yeah, that, that defensive four, is, it's still being shuffled around, so we do need some stability there. Um, with Ansel, you know, he'll start in the coming weeks, as we said. Um, and then you've got Georgie FC back. If, if, he, if, if past actions say anything um, in regards to Thomas Deng who started off um, his first match and played man of the match and then was started on the bench the following week um, Negro might suffer the same fate but we just need that stability in the back yeah, four it, it could be that Georgievsky actually plays at left back um, for Manane and Negro continues at right back or we might just see Negro move to the bench for Georgievsky's return so the victory go on to a uh, the fourth match of their unbeaten streak after a five-match <laughs> winless streak. So that's something to be positive about. Uh, a few fan things that we want to touch on as well in regards to the match, unless you've got anything more you want to speak about. Nope. Nope. So uh, firstly, just from the South End experience, we're all South End boys. Um, there's tarps over the back, a few rows of the Yeah, the, uh, the forgot, to, forgot to email the club about that today. Yeah, I'm not too happy about that. That's um, Yeah, I'm not happy about that. But we'll, we'll talk about that, that to the club maybe um, yeah. in our private time uh horses at the end we've been talking about it you know, for weeks on end i'm <laughs> i wasn't a fan until friday night but now i'm converted uh after the match after victory the brave horses were, was belted out over the pa and everyone around the stadium seemed to get into it and it's drawing a fair amount of media attention as well well let's go on mate um i've heard uh through my contacts uh that um victory the brave is on its last legs Wow. And um, that uh, there will be at some stage coming up a board meeting to discuss the future of it. And my guess is it's it's gone. Right. Well, what I love about this whole horses thing, and it's, you know, I don't think it's a particularly great song, but I just love that it's just grown organically and spontaneously from the terrace, you know, and you know, our mate Buds will put his hand up and I'm pretty sure he was, him and the ledge crew lads sort of got it off the ground originally and... What do, you, what do you reckon, Jace? A few people are claiming responsibility for okay. this. Um, Buds, of course, is one, and the Ledge crew as well. Uh, organic is one way of putting it. I would say force-fed is another way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that the, the club is uh, is now getting on board, and um, it seems like some people are as well. So we'll see what happens with that in the future. I, I agree on Victory the Brave being tossed away. I think that was trying to force a AFL-type theme song onto a Melbourne sporting landscape. And it might have had, a, had its place, you know, for the first few years of Victory's existence. But as time goes on and our own, you know, traditions, we all, you know, figure out our own identity. Um, it doesn't really have a place with Victory anymore, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, in the football world, you know, all of the classic anthem type songs, whether they're at the start of a match or at the end or during whatever, they all have been something that have just happened naturally over time in history. And, you know, as lame as the song is, is in some respects... This is our little moment of history and it's sort of arising from the terrace, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be our 
anthem per se. But <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. But, but, it, but it is our fun song to sing and enjoy and celebrate the unique, uniqueness of football fans yep. in the uh, South and North End. But one other thing I wanted to touch on is uh, I'd like to congratulate the North End on their fantastic uh, yep. TIFO they did for our, our good friend Darren Frayne. Um, and uh, it was it was fantastic, and obviously all the supporters got on board and uh, the club as well, so it was fantastic. Yeah, there's also a banner held up in the South End pre-match as well, so it was good to see everyone getting around that, and also um, I think Kevin Musket and a few of the boys, all the, the whole team got... Um, into the North Terrace after the match and, and took a few photos with the with the TFO as well. So great to see the club um, getting involved in that way with someone who was um, very much valued within the Melbourne Victory community. Um, we'll leave it there and we'll move into Amendment of the Week. This week's Member of the Week is a bit of a personal one for me. I'm the owner and administrator of the MelbourneVictory.net forum, as some of you may know, and some of you are obviously members on there, some not. Um, but this week, this past weekend on Saturday afternoon, after the, um, the, the Brisbane match, there was a few weary heads as we played our annual forum football tournament. We went down to the Dockland Sports Courts um, and played a... Very exhaustive tournament, which went from about 1pm to 5pm, where about 50 or so members of the MelbourneVictory.net forum community got together in teams of uh, about six different teams, and we played a, a full forum uh, football match, or f- tournament rather. Uh, the Mehmet goes to, however, a sponsor of this show, um, and a past guest of this right. show, Tuna. So the reason why Tuna <laughs> is this week's member of the week oh, tough, is because... Tough. It's because when we do this, we organise it in about October of each year, you know, three months before we actually kick off. And Tuna had the... Well, actually, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. Tuna last year had the honour of being the first person ever sent off on a forum football game <laughs> because he gets a bit too serious and he... He's got serious white line fever, that boy. Yeah, he, he almost started a fight with Hobbs, who's a member of the forum, like a full-on punch-on. And he got sent off by Beanhead. Um, yeah, he's a he's an angry little pit bull. That one, the the bull pit bull. I think he used to be called on uh, on the terraces. But he has a. I've heard in in his uh, professional football career, in inverted commas, that he has been renowned for uh, a few red cards down at uh, Essendon United. Yeah, he's a hothead. That's what he is. He's a hothead. Um, the reason I'm giving it to him though is because he had the the responsibility, even though he wasn't playing this this year. I'm playing being a bit too harsh on him. But he had the responsibility of organising the the winners' medals. So we have medals for the winners. Of the tournament, who were the blue team, um, featuring a few forum members who I'll mention now. So just to give them a shout out for, for winning the forum football tournament: uh, Victory Till I Die, Moffler, Simon, B Towney, Decanio, Magic, Surfside, and Sucky. Um, now, when they won the tournament, usually they, they get awarded with gold medals, um, but unfortunately, Tuna didn't order them in time and the Chinese didn't deliver them. So he ordered them from China and they didn't arrive on time. So everyone, you know, this is a, a really great moment. Everyone says it's one of the best days of the year for them um, on a Melbourne victory scale. And, you know, when you win the tournament and you get no medal to, uh, to be presented with, that's just, it's a day ruiner really. And a few people were upset. Um, a few tears were, were shed for not having winners medals. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so this week I'm going to give member of the week to Tuna. 
It is amazing that uh, the forum has continued on through the era of social media, of Facebook and Twitter and stuff, because I know I, in the first couple of years, was on the forum occasionally posting and uh, mainly just reading, but it's, uh, to last this long, <laughs> I don't well, know of any internet forums It's had its ups and downs going. and it's near-death experiences, so it's, it's amazing, yeah, you're we've, right. We've, we've gone through our hackings and everything like that, but we're still remaining strong. It's not as strong as it used to be, but it's still a pretty good place, and uh, when we can do things like that, which you wouldn't get anywhere else, you know, organising a forum football tournament. It's one of the best days of the year, as I said. So um, it was a lot of fun. If you're interested in 2017 next year, join up in the forum and get to know some people and hopefully see you there. The Vuxake is also sponsored by the Our IT Services. You can give Pete a call on 1-800-843-695 and he'll take care of any IT issues you have. He's helped Dave out, as we've spoken about in past episodes, and he'll help you out too, so give him a call. Now, moving on to our next segment, it's, uh, as we mentioned before, the ACL squad selection is coming up, coming up on Sunday. Some very big choices for Kev because of the foreign quota that needs to be filled. We can only go in with two foreign players and we currently have five is that correct? No, is it? no it's three. Three, three plus one. So that plus one can be an Asian Confederation player, which we don't have. Exactly. Yeah, so we can only we can only choose three players. We have to cut two. Uh, now we're going to talk about the five foreigners that we do have, and we're going to discuss some pros and cons about which players would make a difference in Asia, or you know how that might affect the A League form and so on. So we'll start off with the uh, the victory medal winner from last year, Fahid Ben Kelfala. We'll ask you first, um, John, are you for him being in the squad or against him being in the squad? Uh, looking at the five that we have to leave out, at this stage, I would say he's the one to one of the ones to leave out. His form hasn't been brilliant. Um, I wouldn't say he's the fittest person in the world. And uh, I think we have enough cover with by the time Connor Payne and with Archie now back, that we can probably do without him. I'm in the same boat as you. I think given his form this year, I think he needs to focus solely on A-League, which is amazing considering at the start of the season you'd said he'd be a lock with Barisha for the other spot as well. Um, what yep. do you think, Dave, about for he'd been? Well, can't we just make Tunisia an Asian nation and then, you know, just get around this? <laughs> you know, that's one way. But um, I, um, I'm really gutted about having to leave him out but based on current form if that's going to be the barometer um he has to be left out so if he is out in uh in our in our books yep del pierre is an aging warhorse he's he's you know claiming he's going to retire at the end of the year um our best defender are you in or out dave this is the toughest one because we know that he's retiring so we know that he's 35 years old, you know, the, the, the impact of each game, the travel, you know, it's not just travelling to Adelaide anymore, it's travelling to Korea and Japan, these are long flights. I know as a late 30s guy that it takes its toll. Um, it all depends on this one, whether or not we call in any kind of reinforcements. I think central defence is all right, provided Ansel and Deng, you know, and Galifuoco remain available and options. That, I, I think but that's... I, I'm not convinced on your... that we have cover. I don't think it's smart enough to have the young players having to play in Asia. The experience of Del Pierre, as we all know, is unbelievable. And to be then relying on Ansel, who's a little proppy, and Deng and Galifuoco, these young guys, and makeshift and Broxham at the back, I'd rather us... Because we, last time we played in Asia, we had a propensity to concede serious amounts of goals. I tend to agree, and what I was trying to preface that was by saying that if we end up calling in a reinforcement in that space, an Australian or an Asian player, because I know that the club are looking to 
sign someone that can fit that quota. So if that turned out to be somebody that could fit, you know, the experienced defender mould, then I would be for leaving Del Pierre out. Well, but if that, not, I'm for leaving him in. That's that's my answer. But well, the, obviously the rumour for oh, it's been going on since basically day one has been uh, Alex Wilkinson. Will we sign him? But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to go for a big money move somewhere. And yeah. um, yeah, we're mid, we're at mid January, and that's been spoken about for months now. You'd say if that's been rumoured for so long, it would have been would have been been sewn up already and been announced. I would have thought. Well, we're going to have to act on this anyway because he won't be around for the second phase of the competition anyway. Um, but look, you've got to get to the second phase first. So, look, I'm I'm all for it if there are no squad changes. Um, from now until then. So, look, it's Sunday, so we have to make a decision then. So, at this stage, it's a yes for me. I'm saying no because I feel just given our, our spot on the A-League table at the moment, we need to claw our way back and claw back some ground. If we were a bit higher up on the table, had some points to, to spare during the end uh, end parts of the season, I'd say yes. Okay. Um, but I want him to be fresh for every, every A-League match. Now, we said Ben Kelfella is out. Um, which means that I'd say Finkler has to be in, doesn't he, given his, his playmaking uh, abilities? Uh, yeah, I would I would definitely say so. He's got to be in there along with uh, Bazanich in the middle. We don't know what's going on with Valeri. I think that news is coming this week. We hope to get more information. Um, so I would have thought he's a um, definite. Yeah, I think Valeri's uh, medical point was, was today being Monday, so... Yeah, see how that goes. That might lead into the injury replacement thing that we get, depending on the well, that, news there. That's interesting then, John, because if you're advocating Del Pierre, and I'm assuming you're going to argue for Barisha and Finkler, that means you're going to leave out Barbarousas. No, I've, I'm a maybe on Del Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you just said it, oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm in trouble here. <laughs> Who uh, wants to be Kev right now? We, it's such we, a dilemma. The one certainty is Barisha. Absolutely. We, he's our out-and-out striker. He's already scored 11 goals. We think he's not even playing great, but he's mm. scored 11 goals. So you can't leave him out. So he's 100% in. It means you've got to choose two out of Finkler, Costa and Del Pierre. I'm going with Costa. He's, a, he's an international. He's in good form. So when I say he's an international, it means he's had experience with travelling and trying, backing up for, uh, for playing um, for a victory. So you know, he's travelled to, to quite far away places and then backed up you know, days later at the victory. So I'm for Costa coming in, especially given his form um, right now. He's, I'd say he's close to our best player at the moment. So I would say definitely need Costa and never get a move past the group stages. Okay, so we've we've gone around a little bit here, but if, if someone said to you, right, you have to name your three right now, who would it be? John. I will go with Costa, Barisha, <laughs> <laughs> and Del Pierre. <laughs> Jace. I'm going with Finkler, Costa, and Barisha. Yeah. Me too. Finkler, Costa and Barisha. I just have a feeling that we might look to signing a central defender as Valeri's injury replacement, which means we have to act pretty quickly. So I don't know how much, you know, what, what Kev's got going, you know, what, what's burning in that fire of his in the transfer market. We'll see very soon. Well, he, needs to, he needs to sign someone by, by Sunday, I'd say, yeah. Yep. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Uh, or do they have to be signed by Sunday? You, well, I'd say if you if you have to announce your squad by Sunday, January twenty four, yeah, that you have to have your thirty or well, eighteen to thirty man squad submitted, and then it's only at Feb sixteen. So we do have a bit of wiggle room at February sixteen. Up to five players can either be added or replaced to the original squad. Ah, uh, okay. So we can perhaps uh, play that out a little bit longer with uh, yeah. signing it. There's a bit of wiggle room there, and the first game will be on February twenty fifth in Melbourne, I think. Yep. Yep. So we'll see what happens there. We'll uh, obviously cover that next week as well. Next time we, we are on the podcast as well, we'll cover that. Just one last thing. Last week we talked a little bit about salary cap in the A-League and we were talking about marquees. And, um, yep. you know, um, I think we said that realistically Melbourne City would be the only one to sort of be able to target some of these bigger names that we've talked about. And I mentioned that, um, you know, it would have an impact on the cap. Well, that's, of course, wrong because... Marquee players are outside of the cap. So even if they did ditch Corrin, um, which appears to be happening, oh, it has absolutely no bearing on the cap for them. They can pay him out and then bring in whoever they want. 
once again, Melbourne City roaring the system after <laughs> getting Caceres during the week. And I think they're getting someone else, but I think they got through that through um, through legal means. Um, they got another um, Mariners player. I'm pretty sure Caceres wouldn't have been signed by Manchester City in any, any other, other circumstance <laughs> but then to go on a loan deal, um, which, is, which is a tactical... You know, which we did it. We played funny buggers a couple of years ago with uh, Nick Merger. Uh, yeah, you know, and Tom Rogic to a degree. Um, yeah. We signed Rogic on loan and it was only a percentage of his wages that we were actually paying, you yeah. know, of his total wage and um, his club... Celtic at the time then, yeah, they were they were paying the other portion of it, which is actually a, a norm in world football to, to do that. Mm. But um, the FFA since reversed the they possibility that, of doing that. They closed that loophole and hopefully they close the, uh, the Melbourne City loophole as well because it's going to get a lot worse. The, um, well, on marquees, obviously Central Coast Mariners have uh, signed Luis Garcia. Yeah, he was, I think he's been retired for a few years and he's back. <laughs> I think he uh, did. He play in the Liverpool Legends game. I actually did he not did. watch a minute. He yes. scored in it. So <laughs> I think that's where they saw him. And the funny thing is, what I've heard from everyone because I was a bit busy over the weekend is they announced it halfway through the game. Yep. <laughs> Much to the dismay of the guy Tony Wamsley, as they said, uh, "Mate, we've just signed Luis Garcia." Uh, what oh. do you have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! I didn't know. Will he, will he actually bring people through the gates? Yes. You reckon? Look at the amount of Liverpool fans that are out there, yeah, and a lot, they've got a big proportion of the Euro snob type element in their camp. They do, they do, but, jeez, oh, is it what Central Coast Mariners, Central Coast Mariners need fans and they need something to get people back exactly. to that club. They do need something and I commend them for actually trying to do something, but is Luis Garcia the player to do it? Um, look, my Liverpool friend who I live with, she said I'll definitely be going to the game in Melbourne when he comes down here for sure, even though she's not a I Melbourne think City it's fan. a good thing, you know, Central Coast Mariners, you know, they're, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. You know, they get criticised uh, if they sign State League players for, for scraping the bottom of the barrel. But alternatively, this sort of signing, people go, oh, well, the A-League's a retirement home. Yeah, it's a free hit, I guess. You know, they won't lose any fans. Well. They, won't, they might not gain any fans either. I don't think it's going to be the Robbie Fowler kind of treatment where people will come kitted up in Liverpool's <laughs> things and then stand all together and chant for, for um, Garcia. But we'll see what happens with that. Sake is also sponsored by No Fixed Address Walking Tours. They are a social enterprise offering unique walking tours of Melbourne suburbs. The tours, uh, tour guides are disadvantaged people trying to get back on their feet and they will take you through a different Melbourne, one that is often missed with stories that remain untold. You can search for them on Facebook under No Fixed Address Tours or nfatours.com.au. Um, now, I'll give a bit of a shout-out to Matt Winley from the Herald Sunday. He got in contact with me during the week, or during last week, and he said that he was enjoying the show and he might actually be a guest on the yeah. podcast in the next few weeks. So I'm going to hopefully hold him to that because he'd be an amazing guest to have on. Um, we're going to talk about his article in the Herald Sun, I believe it was this morning, about South Melbourne's renewed push to get a team admitted into the A-League. We discussed some options of making the A-League better last week, and obviously one of those things that falls into that um, discussion discussion as well as expansion of the A-League. We've discussed promotion and relegation, but is it time to bring the old soccer, is what they're called, um, the old soccer teams into the A-League? Is it time? Uh, look, Matt Windley raises some really interesting points on this. He's obviously doubling down from his article last week about how to improve the A-League. Um, I tend to think no with South Melbourne. And look, it's, it's a bit of a half-hearted no, I have to say, because there's there's obviously an argument there um, when you compare them to the other struggling teams in the A-League. But um, 
if you go to South Melbourne games at the moment, you know, it's it's we're talking, you know, one, two thousand people tops. I think I went to a Melbourne old Melbourne derby, you know, the Melbourne Melbourne Knights South Melbourne, and you know, it was probably two or three thousand people, you know, at a guess. Do they have that latent support that would come out of the woodwork if they were in the top flight? That's a hell of a gamble to base an argument for their inclusion in the A League. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very much in the uh, no camp at this point. What do you think? Um, look, it's a difficult question. Obviously, I used to go to their games in the NSL and watch Carlton play them, and obviously their support back then they were probably at, they were one of the highest averaging clubs. Are probably averaging a. Six to seven thousand, and then on a big game against Carlton or Knights and stuff, you'd be getting twelve to fifteen thousand. Yep. And they're they cracking atmospheres at the old Bob Jane. You're in a beautiful little stadium. Oh, it's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, but their stadium at the moment, with the athletics track around it, is probably not the most ideal football venue. None of us football purists oh, love I, an I athletics track around it. However, it is a boutique stadium, and as we know, watching Melbourne City, we don't like seeing empty seats. So if you if they believe they can get eight to ten thousand, and then obviously in derbies they'll get big numbers, then maybe it is worth looking at. But I, I'm on the fence, and I. But we need to expand this league because it gets a pretty boring when you're playing Central Coast Mariners three times. Yeah, if you are <laughs> going to expand the league, I guess one of the advantages bringing what is bringing a team such as South Melbourne has is that the club instantly has an identity. Whereas if you're starting a, a team off from scratch, you have to build that. So that's certainly um, something that will bring in fans straight away. Whether it brings all the uh, the old people out of the woodwork, the only thing is that. Their identity is the very thing that the FFA were trying to get rid of, and that's the very thing that made the NSL. Yeah. The, uh, the, you know, the, the but the FFA was... need to have a rethink on that generally because we've moved on from that, and I th- I'd like to think we've matured a bit as a as a footballing nation. And this is, I guess, where I think the FFA need to expand their minds a little bit. I'm not saying I'm for South Melbourne as such because they've still got to tick a whole lot of other boxes before they come in come into consideration but we need to stop thinking about has to be this type of club or you know can't be you know a, a club that was formed by Greek migrants it's it's the wrong way to look at it I reckon maybe they need to rebrand themselves as the Lakers again and then <laughs> just give them that you know <laughs> take away the ethnicity of it and just uh, from the Lakers cannot believe the LA Lakers actually made <laughs> a complaint against them and said sorry people might get confused <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's obviously a pipe dream at the moment um is there any other teams you'd want to see, I guess, not just from the VPL area, but maybe some other clubs as well? I think Sydney United's one that's been bandied around a little bit as well. And the the, um, the mob up in um, North Queensland are doing some good things up there. Their North Queensland Fury are going back to basics and building their club from the ground up. And that seems to be working up there. And then there's this talk of um, this massive Chinese investment in a big um, resort up in Cairns. They're going to spend like, two billion dollars and build this massive resort and one of the things they've said is we'll build a stadium and fund a football team so right. that, that would be amazing if they Kings, did that yeah. and, and i think their i think their approval is going to come through so maybe a north queensland team you know with Mackay not far away and things like that could be of interest my belief is and i've said this numerous times no one listens to me because <laughs> it's too hard to do is a team in tasmania be the first you. national Finally. sports body that believes in Tasmania and goes, give them a team that they can support. They don't really care about Hawthorne, seriously. They don't. No. And they want to go to a team that they can own. I know there's a north-south divide. Mate, it takes one hour to drive across Tasmania. It's not a big deal for someone to travel to Hobart or to Devonport or wherever it is. Totally agree with you there. Look at the Western Sydney situation where the FFA and the A-League got in there before the AFL really you know, tried to sink its claws into that region, which was always going to be doomed, if you ask me. But there's enough of an argument to suggest that it could work in Tasmania as well if it's properly looked at and properly assessed. And the good thing about that is they can, they can build a nice little boutique stadium and they can play whatever, seven games in Hobart, 
five in Launceston and one in Devonport or whatever and, you know, take it around the state and make it the real... Call it Tasmania. Do not call it Obart or anything like that. It's got to be called Tasmania. There's only going to ever be one team there. So call it Tasmania and give it a go. There's one club. To me, Tasmania, Canberra and probably the south coast region are the areas that I'd like to see the league expand into. I'm totally against Canberra. Canberra has proven to be a low-drawing venue for all sports. They do not have a hardcore population. They have too many people transient, transient yeah. through yep. Canberra and live there for two or three years or even fly in, fly out all yeah, the time. Yeah, but I prefer that to a new Sydney team, for example. And, and I think if you build it, you know, you give them, give them the actual club and, and build it, they'll come, mate. I, I think Wollongong's a better option than Canberra. Right. Given the, given the history, I'd say Wollongong as well. Absolutely. Um, I think just we, we maybe get a little bit crazy with those Asian Cup numbers in Canberra. We think that uh, that's going to be the, the gospel in regards to a Canberra team, but that probably won't be sustainable. But I put it to you, John, Canberra versus Gosford. You know, two, two different cities. One is the capital city of this country. You're telling me that not enough Canberrans or ACTers would be interested to the extent that a town like Gosford might be? Um, look, oh, no, I'm not 100% sure on that because, but I'm not convinced that Gosford is ever going to be a long-term right. viable option. They're just, even at their best, they've never, doesn't seem they just get, can get that numbers and get the critical mass to move up a level. They got up a little bit and they were getting 14,000 on those New Year's Eve games against us. And they were great and everything, but they're really in a real flat rut. And where's the money come but from? But not there? every club needs to get 14,000. You know, that's where I look at it from. And it, we, we have this, it seems to be a preoccupation that every city and every club's metrics have to be the same. I, I think, you know, as long as it's sustainable and, you know, it makes sense financially, let's do it. It's a conversation that goes on for hours and hours and hours. It could. End. But unfortunately, we do have a, some time constraints because we've got a, an interview coming up in a second. So we'll end it there. Yep. But uh, it's one of those good conversations that uh, that's always good to have. Earlier today, we recorded an interview with Danny Allsop, a past player of the Melbourne Victory. Uh, we had a good chat with him. You, you did, Dave. What were your memories of Danny Allsop as a player? So many good memories. Um, quite often a maligned player, which I never really understood. You know, I mean, it, it was really, you know, it's one of those situations where people get on a player's back and, you know, it never seems to end sometimes. Even when, you know, he, he I think he's... Still in the top 10 A-League all-time goal scorers, if memory serves. Oh, he would have to be close. And the problem he had was he was in a duo strike partnership with the most beloved player yep. of the club. So when you're alongside Archie and everything. But my favourite memory, and uh, I, it'll be hard to beat the memory, is when he scored the equaliser against Central Coast Mariners. Oh, yeah. 3-3. Three, three, We've talked about the game a lot. Men, <laughs> with nine men. It's one it of the greatest memories of all time. Cracking volley. And uh, we came from from nowhere with nine men. It was just unforgettable. And I'm, I think in, in the chat we do talk also about that uh, goal he scored in Adelaide in the final. Yeah, so we do thank Danny for his time as well. So we you know, really do appreciate these past players coming on and talking to us. So we'll roll the uh, the audio now. This is our interview with Danny Allsop. Former Melbourne Victory striker Danny Allsop with us on the show, episode 17 of For Vuck's Sake. Uh, Danny, mate, uh, how's retirement treating you? And, and what does uh, professional, what does life after professional football mean for Danny Allsop? Um, well, I'll just say it's a pleasure to be talking to you. Um, Oh look, I'm, I'd have to say it's still uh, I'm still in a bit of a transition, I suppose, and getting used to it. You know, you play uh, football for so long, you know, your whole life, and that was all I really did. So I'm sort of trying to, um, you know, learn new things and and adapt, I guess. And and it's a big life change. But um, I've been doing a lot of different things. But 
I'm I'm working a little bit nine till five at the moment, and I'm enjoying my weekends off with um, you know, it's probably my whole life I've never sort of had weekends to do whatever you want so I'm really enjoying that part of it as well but um you know it's good I'm around for my boys both play soccer as well and other sports so it's good to be around with them as well so it's um yeah but it's a learning experience but it's part of life for everyone who I guess is a professional athlete yeah they eventually need to make that transition yeah you can't you can't play on forever my I've been at the victory games with my sons and they're like oh I why can't you still be playing? And I'm like, well, you just yeah. you just can't play forever. Are you getting around on the park locally at all? I, I do know that you you played some state league football a little bit. Is that still happening? Or um, no, I'm not playing anymore. Um, I I spent a couple of sort of seasons playing in uh, just in state league for Croydon City Arrows, where I'm yeah. involved with um, just as a volunteer on the committee and um, coaching juniors and stuff, which I I really enjoy. Um, you know, just it's sort of a pure form of soccer and um, you know, I enjoyed being involved back at the sort of grassroots level and um, all the challenges that go with um, running a, a small club with, um, you know, just volunteers and everyone has to chip in and help out. So um, I feel like it's uh, it's good for me to do that. I, I enjoy it and um, hopefully I can, you know, help a little bit uh, for the club. Excellent. Well, that's terrific to hear you're still involved at grass grassroots level. Um, look, uh, let's... let's uh turn back time a little bit mate and tell us a little bit okay. about uh how you ended up at melbourne victory um back before season one of the a-league kicked off um yeah well it's amazing how much of my time i sort of spend daydreaming about our oh, things in the <laughs> past or what what's happened over all these years and um yeah well, I, I was playing in england for seven years and um i guess i felt like i was a little bit uh sort of treading water and not really yeah. uh heading in the way that I wanted to. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I was a little bit lost, I suppose. Um, I was doing well enough. I just didn't feel like I was getting enough satisfaction out of it, I suppose. Okay. Um, and then I knew Ernie was a youth coach of mine, Ernie Merrick, um, and I sort of got a weird message. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it, because I was a contracted player, they can't. Uh, I'm not, I think it might have. It was through someone else, and I was like, "That's weird," because okay. um, I was a contracted player at yeah. Hull City, um, so they couldn't actually really approach me. Um, and uh, yeah, so I can't remember. I got in touch with someone else, and then eventually uh, spoke to Gary Cole or an Ernie, and um, they sort of said, "Convince me it'd be a good opportunity to come back." And it felt like a pretty big gamble at the time because there was no A League at that point. Um, but I thought I'll, I sort of trusted what Ernie was saying and um, and gave it a crack. Fantastic, mate. And look, you went from, I hope you don't mind me saying, you went from being a, a, a criticised player in season one, much much like the whole team really, uh, to be quite the hero in season two. Can you describe how it all came together in season two for both you and the club? Um, well, I guess the season one was sort of, it was quite strange. Um, and I, I don't know, I felt like it was, um, I knew that I wasn't playing, I wasn't really myself, I just didn't feel comfortable. Um, everything was new and we were all sort of just uh, higgledy-piggledy thrown together, I guess, as a, yeah. as a team. And it takes a little bit of time to gel, I, I suppose. And we were tr- we were trying things and I think in a lot of ways we, um, you know, we were doing well in spells of games, but we just weren't really getting results. And um and yeah, personally, I guess you know the criticism at the time hurt. I was, just, I you know, I always, I probably wanted to do well, um, what what I call doing well in my mind, but you know, I really wanted to do well coming back to Melbourne and probably put too much pressure on myself. And um, so I think it was it was tough. It was tough for me to take criticism. And my you know friends and family were at the games and stuff mm. like that. And, mm. um, I was almost at the crossroads after. I was like, oh, is this really worth it? And it was really tough actually personally that first season um but you know when it when it was finished i sort of got got my head together and um you know i got good friends and um ernie and aaron healy were really good to me and kevin musket was you know was you know i had having his support sort of thing behind the scenes was really important to me and we watched a bit of uh you know video footage of of the first season um and i i knew that I could I could have scored a lot of goals in the first season and it was sort of um 
I will know in that that you know I always get in the box to have chances, and I think that's something that I always did, and why I always scored goals because you have to be there to miss them. Yeah. But I knew that going into the second season, if um, you know, we just changed a few things and tweaked a little bit the way that I was playing, and um, you know, I worked really hard at it, and and the second season um, was probably one of my best ever. But and for the team as well, it all sort of we we all sort of came together, and we got some good players in like Fred and. Um, Grant Brebner and was was really probably the most fun uh, football that I've played in in my career. Well, that's terrific. I'm I'm getting some uh, goosebumps just remembering that year now when you detail it like that, mate. Um, and yeah. and while we're talking about memorable moments, what what sort of sticks out for you? You know, whether it's one moment or several um, from your time at the club. Um, oh, there there were so many. Um, good times I suppose like you always I enjoyed particularly that whole season um and and even the second time we won the the, the the grand final that season when we knew that we had you know everything was in place and um it was up to us to um to go out there and, and just do our jobs um that's really enjoyable to play in the, the whole year um and obviously winning two grand finals sort of caps it all off because it's not very often um, in your career, you, you win that much. So, um, you know, I, I was luckily enough, I was in playing in England, I won a few promotions, but to actually win a championship is really hard. Um, so to play in the two for victory yeah. um, was really special. And I guess, you know, to say I've played, uh, you know, one game in the Premier League and I uh, played for Australia and all those sorts of things um, is, is really good to look back on and playing in different countries. But I guess... Looking back, you know, I look at all of the friends that I made playing soccer and, you know, you can pick up the phone any time and, you know, you can always have a chat with with your old mates and stuff, which is is really nice. And, and to be here in Melbourne and still, um, you know, I go as much as I can to, you know, be involved with victory and stuff as well. So, you know, that's all sort of a special reward um, for me, I guess. And um, yeah, it's quite, it's, it's special for me. That's terrific, mate. Yeah, look, and when you actually look back at your career, it's, it's quite a quite an illustrious, you know, career. Many awesome little dot points. Some of them, some of which you covered off on there. Um, and look, you mentioned uh, about the UK, and was it was it Manchester City you started at? Um, and and what was it like, you know, as a youngster in the UK? Um, oh, it was uh, a bit overwhelming, I guess, because um, you know, Man City's always been a big club, um, and luckily. I think the day after I went there, Danny Thiardo turned up, so I wasn't right. completely alone. Um, but yeah, it was it was over. It was a completely different life at that at that point, and it was I took a chance to go and had to prove myself. And um, it was I was really lucky to be have the time everywhere that I had playing playing football. But Man City was huge, and probably um, I probably just if I look back on it, really analyze it if I probably needed someone a bit of a bit more guidance and a little bit more belief in myself to have made more of my chance that I had there even though I think I you know had a gave it a good shot but um you know I think if I had believed in myself a bit more that I actually belong there um would have would have been a bit helpful but I I really enjoyed it and I was, I was thankful then for them to for you know really kick starting my career and I learned a lot off some good players playing over there and um, you know, the whole professional environment, um, you know, really stood me and put me in a good place for the rest of my career. Thanks for that, mate. Well, I guess that's really invaluable advice even now for young Aussie kids who sometimes, you know, might make a premature move overseas or or the wrong move, you know, to the wrong size club. We've, we've talked a little bit about that on the podcast about other victory players. Yeah. Um, so it's it's good to get your insights there. And, and one last thing, I guess, on the... Um, overseas experiences you you had a little bit of a stint in the middle east uh um not too long after the second title i think it was at, at melbourne victory um yeah. tell tell us tell us how that went down um oh it came sort of out of the blue i guess um you know and it's part of life i guess you have to um you know you're a professional and you have to try and make a living while you can so that was really i, did, I was very happy at victory and um, Grant Bredner still blames me for us not winning the second one in a row there, winning the third title. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things you have to do, I guess, if you've got a chance to, um, you know, make a good move for, for your future, then you have to do it. And 
Um, it was an interesting place, but you know, I went there and tried to make the most of the experience and knowing that it would be different to what I was used to, I guess. Um, and I, I wasn't there for too long, really, and um, before I went to the MLS and played a season there, so which was a really great opportunity for me, and I, I made the most of that as well, I think. Um, even though I found uh, life a bit difficult at, at the club there, um, you know, before I ended up coming back to victory. Yeah, mate, I bet you'd have some stories. You've covered a lot of the globe in your time as a footballer, so it's it's absolutely fascinating. I bet you'd have some good ones to tell at the pub. Um, yeah, some, sometimes I sit around thinking about it and I think about <laughs> all these times that I had and, um, you know, it's a, I think a lot of your career depends on... Um, you know, what sort of coach you have. And I found that certainly was the case with me. I think it's important, you know, if a player's got good, a good coach that supports him, makes a, a massive difference to any player. Excellent, mate. Well, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, we're just going to ask uh, one, one last question when I say we. It's, yeah. it's Jason and I here in the background. Um, hey. Look, um, so have you been following... You mentioned that you've been taking your sons to victory games. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current form? And, you know, did, did you see, um, you know, the grand final last year? And how do you think the boys will go for the rest of the season? Um, well, I, th- I think it's in victory's hands, really. Um, I've missed a bit of the games over this Christmas period, but... Um, and they've got had a good win um, on the weekend. But um, from what I can see, um, I'd still back victory to win it again this year. I thought the grand final and their performance in that game um, was amazing. And, um, you know, it's it's just up to... And it'll be the same when we thought we could win the title. It's just you've just got to go out and, and, and perform to your ability. And if victory do that, I think Kevin said it in, in the media last week, if we play to our ability... Um, you know, we can beat anybody and I think that's true with victory this year. Um, you know, all over the park they've got quality and um, I must admit I, I love watching Bessart Berisha play. Um, I think he's probably the best striker I've seen in the A-League. So, you know, with him up front, if they can, um, you know, stay fit and it's it's sort of in their hands the way I see it and without trying to put any pressure on, um, but, and I think they, you know, they can win the grand final again this year and I hope we do. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Danny. Um, you, you've uh, stirred a few of my memories. That, that's um, in particular the, the goal you scored in Adelaide in the finals, mate. Um, unforgettable. And, yeah, many, many Victory fans listening will uh, no doubt enjoy hearing how you're going now after life after yeah, football. I, I enjoyed that one as well, and thank, <laughs> thanks for having me on. Pleasure, mate. Take care. Uh, another shout-out to the Riversdale Soccer Club. They are a community football club that is on the move with an emphasis on its junior program. They're located in Camberwell and Glen Iris, and they're seeking juniors that wish to improve their skill base without the cost of NPL fees. Uh, the club has a documented training program delivered by experienced coaching staff, and they're interested in forming a girls' squad for the under-8s, under-10s, and under-12 age groups for the coming 2016 season. Uh, they've got competitive pro- competitively priced registration fees and an emphasis on technical improvement for the kids. If you're interested interested to learn more, you can email registrations at riversdalesc.com.au for more details. The next match is something that the FFA have been trying to push on us for years and years and years, but doesn't seem to be catching much traction. It's the Australia Day Unite match. Uh, We do a nice little ceremony, a a citizenship ceremony before the match, and we do all these things. Um, The crowds are dipping slightly. We'll ask you before we get into the match, are you for or against this Australia Day game? And also this year, the Australia Day game is on a 7.30 at night, which is a bit of an interesting time. Well, if you're going to have it on the day, have it earlier. People have got to go to work the next day. Um, That's my main bugbear with it. I'd actually prefer to see it on the night before. But clearly this is the, the pitch that the FFA are going with, with this Unite concept. Um, I'll go. You know, it's, it's not going to change anything there. I would just prefer it to be at a different time. Yeah, I think you're right on that front. Uh, certainly a 5 o'clock kickoff would be better than 7.30. Um, but also we've proven with the public holiday eve game, the cup eve game is, mm. is very popular. And you, you play it and it allows people to come down for the weekend and Maybe they and then they go to the tennis on the Tuesday or something like that. So you know it's a it's a big week in Melbourne and uh, yeah, I, but I do like it and uh, it's going to be interesting. Two ACL teams are coming up against each other and obviously the grand finalists from last year as well. So we played a lot better last week. What are your thoughts? Can we we can can we do it again? Oh, it's just a, a tantalising fixture. You know, both both sides are coming off great wins. 
both of us missing group, uh, some pretty good players through the Ollie Ruse duties at the moment. So, look, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think it'll be fiery. It always is. Uh, but I think we're going to uh, win this one at Etihad Stadium. And, yeah, I just think we'll have enough. Riding the crest of that wave from that 4-0 win, I think we'll have enough because Arnie's teams tend to try and shut up shop. And I think they're not going to be able to do that against our strikers. Yeah, I think uh, Angry Berisha is uh, really starting to find his edge at the moment. Obviously, he missed that great save by Jamie Young last week. But, um, you know, he, he's starting to be- become more dangerous and look like he's going to score and he's getting angrier every match as he somehow does. <laughs> score predictions, I'm going to say 4-2. I reckon it'll be a free-throwing game. 2-1 for the buck for me. Uh, yeah, I like that 2-1 I'll take. We, we, we're due to concede again. <laughs> Now, in regards to our, to the next time we play Sydney, we're going to play Sydney away. Is that correct? And you've got a little bit of a sports tours company going. That, yeah, uh, I do. So, obviously, my love, as you would have known from my story, is travel and uh, sport. So, I've been doing horse racing tours for a while, and I was obviously involved with the Green and Gold Army. Now, I've just branched out on my own. And so, I'm going to do some um, tours for the Asian Champions League for the Socceroos, uh, not the Socceroos, for the victory to, um, to Suwon which is just an hour or so outside of Seoul. So a really nice five-night tour there. And obviously I'm, gonna, I'm going to run one for uh, Sydney FC to Guangzhou, which is a really exciting proposition for Sydney fans to head to Guangzhou, but also for us to, to go to Korea. So, yeah, so anyone who's interested, check out my website, internationalfootballtours.com. And you mention the VUC and I'll give you a 10% discount. Whee! Excellent. Excellent value there. Sorry, I thought, didn't know it was just uh, the Asian Champions League, but that's still good. Still good value. Get on to, uh, to that. To yeah, that well, we know that there's quite a bit of an audience out there about Asian Champions League. We've had some good write-ups online yep. about it. We had that travel special as well. Mm. So have a look at the website, see if it tickles your fancy. Yeah, we've certainly done the uh, the guides to travelling around to Korea and also Japan on the net site. So get onto there and have a read about it if you're considering going. We'll end it there. John, thanks for joining us, mate. It's actually been excellent to have you on and we've had some good chats about a large variety of things today. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. I uh, love the show and uh, I'll, I'll keep publicising it and uh, let's get more people involved in it. Yeah, thanks, thanks very much, thanks mate. Thanks for joining us, Dave. And for fuck's sake, he's going to take a break next week because uh, we don't have a game until Tuesday. So we off next week and then we'll be back in a fortnight yep. to discuss two matches. So we'll leave it there. That's the end. Lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How.